0: Hey there, listeners. This is Classical Classroom Editor Mark DiClaudio. Just a warning about this week's episode. If you are easily offended by terrible-sounding Italian pronunciation, A, we don't blame you, and B, preparati, which is rough Italian for brace yourselves, it's coming anyway. As it turns out, pronouncing anything in Italian is not a gift that your host Dacia or, obviously, I, possess. However, this week's guest, violist Simona Gramalia, is darn good at it. He's also great at explaining Beethoven's development as a composer. So, class, this is going to be one of those episodes you're going to want to get out your crayons and your pencils and get ready. If you enjoy getting your learn-on with Classical Classroom, please go to the iTunes and rate and review us. The more popular you make us, the further this kind of knowledge spreads. Also, it makes us smile to see your reviews. Now, on with the show, huh?
1: My name is Daisha Clay. I'm the audio librarian here at Classical 91.7. While I'm a real librarian, I have a deep, dark secret. I know very little about classical music. I grew up listening to rock. And I know something about jazz. But when it comes to classical... But I really want to learn. So, every week on this show, a classical music expert will give me a piece of classical music they think I should know, and then we'll discuss it. Come learn with me in the Classical Classroom. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Classical Classroom. I'm Daisha Clay, and here with me today is Simona Grima... I'm going to butcher your name. Simona Grimalia. It is my Perfetto. best Italian accent.
2: <laughs> Fantastic! It's, it's amazing. You Yay. are a perfect Italian.
1: So he is—he is a violist of Quartetto di Cremona. He formed the group in 2000, and he's talking to us all the way from Baleasco, Italy. He regularly performs with uh, various orchestras and musicians. His concerts have been broadcast worldwide on networks like the BBC and WQXR. And uh, Quartetto de Cremona has a new CD, uh, Beethoven Complete Stream Quartets. This is actually volume five, it looks like. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Classical Classroom.
2: Oh, thank you very much. Desha, it's a pleasure to be here and to talk to you and to your listeners.
1: Well, I am I am hoping that today you can teach me a little bit about the music that's on your CD, which kind of spans Beethoven's um, development as a composer. And what I was interested in when I first saw your CD is, is that uh, there's a little bit in the description about the fact that Beethoven didn't actually composed that much for strings initially just for string quintets specifically is that right yeah
2: yeah you're right i mean he was uh very focused on string quartets and uh, at the end compared to other composers of his time he didn't uh, compose so much i mean if you think uh, mozart uh, composed 23 string quartets uh-huh. and haydn i mean what a number i, I think more than more than 70 mm-hmm. so Beethoven just 16 but uh, i think that uh, the greatness of beethoven was that uh, he took the classical style uh, the way of this way of composing i mean the rules of 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 this uh, uh, way to 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 write music mm-hmm. and uh, he opened the doors to the future to the future i mean and he was the only one to do it because i mean mozart was great i mean mozart's string quartets are Unbelievable. I mean, without Mozart string quartets, we couldn't have uh, the Beethoven ones. Yeah. And of course, without Haydn string quartets, we couldn't have Mozart string quartets. But uh, uh, then Beethoven was able to really to open the door to the future, to the romantic style and to, and to everything. Because uh, so the development of this, this man has, has been extremely big because he started, let's say, following the rules, just trying to to mm-hmm. show that he was a good composer, that he was uh, able to write uh, music for string quartets and that he was able to do it in the right way, respecting the rules. Mm-hmm. And then uh, arriving to almost 59, I mean, number one, uh, where he already changes everything. And uh, there was an Italian violinist, uh, very famous at the time of Beethoven, looking at the score of the first violin, telling him, but maestro, this is too difficult for 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 uh, your contemporary um, to to play this, this, this music. Why did you write something so difficult? And he uh, already Beethoven already answered. I didn't write this music for the the, the person, that the people of my time. This is the music for the future. Ooh. And uh, you know, and then <laughs> yeah, he yeah. arrived to Opus 127, and then 131, 131. That is uh, a visionary string quartet. Uh, it was the uh, Beethoven loved this quartet particularly. And you start from the from the first bar, and you stop forty minutes later without breaks, no movement. Oh my god! And you have to go. You have to go to Schoenberg to find another work like this. So I mean, and it was Beethoven. And then they, and then Opus 130 with the great fugue. And there is a document of the time where, you know, nowadays, uh, when we when we perform, uh, we use not to applaud between the movements, but mm-hmm. at, at Beethoven's time, it was normal. So That's I was right. reading this a uh, f- few, few months ago. Uh, yeah. After the first movement of 130, people were so happy. After every movement, I mean, since the Cavatina, oh, they were so happy. Then the, the, the great fugue arrives, mm-hmm. arrived, and uh, they, they performed, and uh, no applauses, nothing. Uh-huh. People were shocked. By this
1: movement, <laughs> really, and the
2: editor, yeah, yeah, sure. and the and the editor told to Beethoven, please, please, man, uh, it's a bit difficult. This moment, so let's say that you will write another finale for this quartet, uh, more simple, uh, more understandable, and we will uh, decide that the great few we, we will come an opus uh, by itself, opus one hundred thirty-three, that for many years wasn't played. So you can imagine how visionary was this man. And yeah. the Great Fugue can be more contemporary, even nowadays, than a lot of contemporary music. So, I mean, uh, it's, I think that Beethoven music and his development during the, his years is kind of uh, something of unique. I mean, if you think to Shostakovich, I mean, Shostakovich wrote, uh, I think, 17th or 16th, I mean, something like that, I, I don't remember exactly. But anyway, if you listen to the first one and the last one, you can find uh, a kind of continuity in the style. Mm-hmm. But in Beethoven, there are some moments in the la- in the late quartets where you really don't know what what he was doing. I mean, I, mm.
1: Well, let's let's go back. This has been a great overview of of kind of all of his music and all of his periods. But let's go back to the to the beginning when he was sort of a rule follower, as you said, and he was just kind of trying to write music that that you know fit his time. And uh, yeah. what what's a good example of this music? Let's let's give it a listen.
2: Uh, I think that uh, if you listen to the Opus uh, 16, you really understand. That, I mean, it's it could be the beginning. It could be a Haydn hide, string quartet. It starts with Tom Tram Pim Pam Pampa mm-hmm. with the first violin, and then and then the cello. this is really something that uh, uh, is connected with uh, with the uh, and with the classical style music yeah. and of course you have uh, first part then you have uh, the repeat then you have the development then you have the ripresa i mean the classical you know the classical shape of the classical string quartet Really try to respect all the rules of writing music of the classical styles, then he starts to lose this uh, uh, let's say discipline in uh, uh, about the classical styles and then we can listen this when we arrive at the Opus 59 and then Opus 74 and even more in Opus 95
1: okay so this is is this sort of his middle period the opus 95
2: middle period It's the last work of the middle period okay and it's uh, and here probably mm, something changed something very big changed in changed in his life because in 90, opus 95 everything changed because first of all in the first first movement is very short there is uh-huh. no repeat there are no repetitions and uh, he asked for a very furious uh, tempo Uh And uh, and the the theme is just
1: you
2: know it's 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 crazy. I mean there is not we can't say that there is a a a real development because there are many things that come then they go and then a new thing and then this new element. I mean it's it's crazy.
1: Oh, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they've playing sort of furiously.
2: And then different again. Here, Beethoven, I think, put um, a point to change everything and to, and then to arrive finally to the la- to the to the late string quartets. with this
1: kind of yeah well, that, it, isn't that something that kind of came to mark Beethoven's style was that sort of furious like that's when you think of Beethoven you think of him just you know a, a sort of bombastic you know yeah, yeah. like that's what yeah, I, yeah. And, and so so that that's a great example and so where did and that but that was at the the end of his middle period where you're saying something really changed for him. Do we know anything? Do you know anything about what happened in his life that might have have had some uh, sort yeah, of creative sh- effect sure. on him?
2: Sure, sure. First of, I mean, first of all, we have to say that uh, the big illness that uh, Beethoven had, I mean, he became deaf at the end of his life. Uh, I think that this uh, big, big, big uh, uh, illness uh, changed a lot his way to... His way to to think and to feel the music because usually every one of us uh, uh, thinks something, feels something inside, but then we try it playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if I am a composer, uh, I play what I what I think. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's very difficult. It, it's it, it's unusual just to think something and just to write it without yeah. trying it. But at the end of his life, Beethoven couldn't uh, do
1: this. Right, he couldn't test it out. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So he had to, he he was just thinking to the music. It's why probably be, this is why this is one reason probably because uh, many times he wrote so fast tempos. You know that uh, metronome marks by Beethoven are always furious, extremely fast. Yeah. Uh, it, it, one of the reasons. Could be that uh, uh, he wasn't able to to listen anymore. So he was just thinking, listening to inside the, to the music. So it was kind of absolute music, you know, You know, without anything, uh, just just something very pure. In in a way, it's this music. It sounds like this because uh, it seems that uh, some it it can sounds like some Bach music. That, you know, if mm-hmm. you think to the art of the fugue, it's written for four voices. Yeah. And it could be string quartet, it could be four pianos, it could be you know four voices, mm-hmm. and uh, because it's it's totally pure, it's totally in 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 uh, in the air, and uh, also the 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 Beethoven's music is a, a little bit like that, particularly the late quartets. Uh, yeah. If you go on the Opus eighteen, is not like that. It's, it's, very, oh, well, it's very different.
1: Yeah, let's let's talk about the the late period. Like what what marks his late period? What's what's distinctive about it? I mean, I know I know you said that he essentially just stopped abiding by any rules whatsoever and just had completely sort of deconstructed those rules that he had mastered to begin with. How does that sound, though?
2: Well, you know, I mean, at the end of his life, at the, I mean, the late in the late the late period, Beethoven, first of all, was really deaf, so yeah. he didn't like to to meet people, to communicate with people. He was writing on on on, uh, on the paper, you know what he w- wanted to say, and people had to write to to him just to, to communicate. So it's it's, uh, I mean, these things I think changed a lot of his mind. Then he was very uh, anger. Mm-hmm. With with the world, I think that there is a letter of, by Beethoven. One of his letters is very is very. I mean, it explains many things because uh, he received uh, some some wrong things from the world, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, he he was angry with, with with the world because the world didn't understand his uh, talent, his uh, his messages. Uh, you, so you know, the
1: world didn't understand what he was trying to say, essentially.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah and this was something that for beethoven was uh, extremely bad so he wrote that uh, he was sure that in the future people would have understood his music so he was uh, thinking then to write music not for people of his time but for people of the future you know and uh, and uh, and this is i think that this plus the deafness uh-huh. plus the fact that he was a very he was extremely alone changed his mind and uh, he wrote what he wrote and, and uh, I mean the complete masterpieces that uh, in a way weren't loved at his time.
1: So he was basically the David Bowie of his day. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> I agree. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's a man exactly. from, he... from
1: the future. Um, well, let's, exactly. let's hear an example of, uh, of this late period music. What, sh- what should we listen to?
2: I would I would play for example the last movement of the Opus 132.
1: Okay. Right. If, if you have it. Yeah, we've got that. It sounds like there's, and maybe I'm just reading this into it because I know what was going on in his life, like there's a little bit more sort of darkness in his music. Maybe it's just more depth. I don't know.
2: Yeah, sure. And uh, it's amazing because this beginning could be Brahms, you know. Mm -hmm. It it could be totally be a a string quartet by Brahms, for example. Brahms who is
1: known for the sort of uh, personal emotion in his music, right? Exactly, exactly,
2: yeah. and if you think to this, and, and this beginning with the other instruments that, that do a small crescendo every bar, I mean, this could be really a, a romantic, a romantic string quartet, and uh, it's amazing because uh, it, it, it's Beethoven, you know. Yeah. And, uh,
1: when how and how long did Brahms come after him, like that?
2: few oh, a few years later because uh, okay. uh, Brahms uh, you, s- you know I would like to check exactly when he wrote his first string quartet but uh, probably it's not more than 20 years or something like that uh, wow. uh, after Beethoven but so you know it's you know and uh, we have Schubert I mean Schubert uh, you know that Schubert loved Beethoven mm-hmm. and he was uh, at the funeral the Beethoven's funeral mm-hmm. Schubert was there. So uh, uh, crying a lot. He wrote in his letter, I mean, uh, Beethoven was a genius. We lost one of, probably the, the bigger genius of, in the world. I mean, they, they were, they were, there was a great connection between all, this, all these guys and, uh, mm-hmm. and you, can, you can, and Beethoven really made the difference. Uh, Brahms music, or, or you can you can find something on uh, in, in Schubert, uh, or for example Shostakovich, just going to the 20th century Shostakovich mm-hmm. loved Beethoven, was passionate by Beethoven, and uh, for example, you know, in the Viola Sonata mm-hmm. uh, by Shostakovich, the last movement, there is a, a quotation uh, by Moonlight Sonata. Mm-hmm. The, 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 viola, the um. viola plays tam, pa, pam and pianoforte, pam, and the piano tam, pam, 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 pam. So it's amazing. Beethoven really uh, uh, changed everything. I, I'm sure about that. And he died in 1827. So uh, six years later, Beethoven, uh, Brahms was born.
1: Well, so, so, so Beethoven really tapped into something that was timeless and anticipated yeah. what was to come in music.
2: Yeah, wow. absolutely. I mean, That's amazing. It's amazing if you think if you think to this. It's really amazing because we we are used nowadays to listen to Beethoven, to listen to music, to listen to Bra- to Mozart. Mm-hmm. I mean, for us, it's quite everything is quite normal. But and and, and it's okay because I mean we are used to we have a lot of CDs, we a lot of music. But we should think to to something that. Uh, in a simple way, maybe, but just to make an example, changed our life completely. For mm-hmm. example, let's think to the iPhone or to the i iPad mm-hmm. or to the or, or 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 to the iPod, for example. Yeah. I mean, we were used to listen to music, you know, with these very old machines, big machines. We have, we we didn't know about now. Then someone arrived and changed everything in, yeah. in the old world because he invented a little machine. And he, he decided that music could be on the air, just uh, on the cables, so on computers, you know. And uh, uh, it's something like that. And Beethoven changed everything. I mean, people yeah. were not used at his time to these to these, uh, to these uh, big changes. It's why he he wasn't understood.
1: Yeah. So he he had as big of an impact on music as some development like the iPod. That's kind of yeah, incredible to yeah. think of. Wow! Yeah, cool. it's a simple. I mean, it's, it's
2: it's maybe it's not my best example, but it's it's in a way it's like that. I mean, nowadays we live for technology, and uh, I mean, uh, it's it's, like, it's a kind of big change like this. Yeah, but was, unfortunately, was, Beethoven was less lucky than Apple. You know.
1: <laughs> he was less lucky.
2: <laughs> yeah, because uh, Apple had a great success Beethoven. Unfortunately, not.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet that Beethoven's gonna be around with us for longer than the iPod. Exactly. Exactly. That's <laughs> well, Simo- for sure. Simona, mm. it has been awesome to talk to you. This has been really, really fun.
2: Thank you very much. And I mean, it was a pleasure to me to to talk to you. Thank you very much. And I hope to see Houston once.
1: Yes, if you do, let us know if you're coming to town and we'll we'll, uh, talk again.
2: Bye-bye, Dasha. Thank you very much.
1: All right, that does it for this episode of Classical Classroom. For more Classroom, go to houstonpublicmedia.org slash classroom. Follow us all over the internets, including Twitter, Tumblr, our extensive YouTube channel. Rate, review us, and subscribe to us on iTunes. And you can email me at dclay at houstonpublicmedia.org. Thanks today to audio producer Todd La Dolce Tata for twiddling knobs. Thanks to editor Mark DeClaudio for his piercing Fellini-esque eyes. Thanks to Simona Garmaglia for being here today and not getting mad at me for my terrible Italian accent. (laughs) Thanks to me for saying words, but most of all, grazie to you for listening. We'll catch you next time.